Uh, yeah, so I don't know. I just want to start not with what I prepared, but um, just during the week, um, just had this word. Um, it was on was hot in my mind. It was about crossroads, and it reminded me of scripture in Jeremiah, which says, "This is what the Lord says: Stop at the crossroads and look around. Ask for the old godly way and walk in it. Travel its path, and you'll find rest for your souls." And then a different translation that's similar. It says, Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths, which I really love that imagery. Ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. The, this book, the Bible, is the ancient paths. It's the ancient, it seriously is. Like a 2,000 year old book. It's ancient. It's ancient, ancient paths. The way of God is the ancient paths. And another scripture that's been on my heart is, comes from Isaiah 43. Uh, and it says in here, Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches. For I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to, to give drink to my chosen people, the people who I formed for myself, that they might, de- might declare my praise. And all during worship like this, this phrase uh, was just popping to mind, like, um, uh, spring forth, O well, or spring up, O well. And there's an old song, spring up, O well, within my soul, and just the sense, like, like even this morning, of the, of the springing up of, of the well. And our city, we've talked about this quite a lot before, our city is called Wellington. Not because of wells, but that's what we're going to claim, like a city of wells, like spring. We've talked about this before, eh, Natalia? About the, um, about the, about the rivers, there's even, uh, what are they called, sort of the, the um, underground water, eh, springing up. And so this morning, Lord, uh, I, I, Lord, let that come. I don't, know, I don't really know what this means. I don't really know what it is that you want us to do, but we hold on to these words and that we would know you're, you're springing up the springing up of your water, of your living water, even even in us and even in our in our midst, Lord, that we would um, drink from your rivers of delight. We would have fun in that place. Amen. So that's a intro, pre-intro. <laughs> What's in a name? What's in a name? Quite a lot, as it turns out. I uh, went to school, uh, Wellington College, many many years ago. Talk about ancient. Uh, 20, no, more than, how old am I again? How old am I? I don't know either. I'm 43, so do the mess. You know, I went to school in the 90s, and my headmaster um, at that time, Harvey Reese Thomas, he was really good with names, and he, the story goes, the legend goes, and I don't know if this is true, but it could be, that he'd get photos of all the boys that were coming in uh, that year, so 300-odd boys, and he'd get the photos, and he'd memorize all their names, and so when the boys turned up, he'd know them all, and I, and I remember this, like, walking down the hallway, and Javier was times to go, hi, James, and, um, and he'd do this, and you really felt sort of like, you know, honored, hey, and respected by the headmaster, amazing, amazing, I mean, the school at that point was uh, 1,200, 1,500 boys, and he knew all their names, Amazing. I'm not like that at all. Someone tells me their name. <laughs> and like, like, seriously, they tell me their name and then they continue speaking and, by, and they're already forgotten. Some of you are probably like that as well. And so we've got to, got to really practice it. What, like what's in the name? And, uh, and, and it's, there's, there's heaps in a name. Um, ask anybody whose name is Karen. What's in a name? Like it's a, horrible, it's a horrible trend that's going around at the moment. And I can't believe that um, the Prime Minister like, stooped to that level as well in Parliament. Just horrible. Um, popular names can become really unpopular. 
quite quickly uh, as a result of trends that we've seen or as a result of people that, um, that might tarnish the reputation of a name. And um, the standout person for me is, um, comes from the Second World War, Adolf Hitler. Adolf was a really popular name for boys in Germany prior to the Second World War. And, um, and you look up how many boys are called Adolf now, hardly any, hardly any. This is like, you know, how many years later? My grandfather uh, was born with, with the middle name Adolphus. His first name was Gordon, and his second name was Adolphus. And um, I think it was in the 1930s. Is this right, Mum? I think it was in the 1930s. He changed his name from Adolphus to Ellen because he didn't want anything to do with this tyrant uh, that they were hearing about in Germany. Didn't want anything to do with him. And so, um, like names are names are more than labels. Names are reputations. They're identity. They're uh, history. And sometimes they even they even speak of a person's destiny. And if this is true for us, then it's even more true for God, for the name of God. His names reveal his nature, his character, and through his names uh, that, he, that he reveals to us, we're invited to understand who he is and what he is like. They do not contain God, but his names reveal him. They're like facets of who he is. So we've been tracking, and we're going to continue this for a long time, but we've been tracking with the Israelites through the book of Exodus. I know it's going to take a long time because we started sometime last month, and we're, we're into chapter 3. Yeah, so it's probably going to, it's going to take us 40 years, I think. Um, the Israelites are enslaved in Egypt, and um, God has raised up a man to bring them out of Egypt. Uh, this man's name is Moses, and by this, by this point in the story, Moses is 80 years old. He's an 80-year-old shepherd, doesn't even have his own sheep. He's shepherding his father-in-law's sheep. Uh, and then he encounters God in the wilderness at a place called Horeb, the mountain of the Lord, which is also known as Mount Sinai. This divine encounter takes place at a bush which was, which was on fire, yet not being consumed. And so for the last few Sundays, we've, been, we've been just been sitting in this place, like parked up with Moses as he encounters God. Uh, and, I, and I think it's good. Like, it's good to wait. I mean, he's encountering God, and it's good for us to like, wait and, and also encounter God. Waiting in the presence of God is good. Waiting for God's revelation. And this is what I'm praying this morning. I pray it every Sunday now is that, Lord, would you reveal yourself to us? Would you reveal yourself to us? And one of the main ways that God reveals himself to us is actually through the Scriptures, through, the ancient, through these ancient words. And so I'm just going to read, um, read uh, chapter 3. Not all of it, don't stress too much. So we're going to enter into the story. And if you're sort of like an imaginative type, you might want to imagine that you're Moses or that you're, you're in the wilderness and you've got your flock of sheep or something like that. And if you're not imaginative, then, um, then just um, pay attention. <laughs> all right, chapter 3, Moses, uh, Exodus chapter 3. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame, out, a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the, Lord saw, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush. Moses, Moses, 
And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near, take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you're standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. We're going to keep going with the story now. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Pezzarites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I've also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I will be with you, and this shall be a sign for you that I have sent you, that when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, If I, have come, to the, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you and they asked me what is his name what shall I say to them God said to Moses I am who I am and he said say this to the people of Israel I am has sent me to you God also said to Moses say this to the people of Israel the Lord the God of your fathers the God of Abraham the God of Isaac the God of Jacob has sent me to you this is my name forever and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Whoa. Whoa. Good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the scriptures. Thank you for these words. So names are important, hey. Like in this one that I just read, there's so many, so many names, names of names of uh, Moses' uh, ancestors and then the names of God. So we're really going to dig into uh, the names of God this morning. But first, we'll back, backtrack a little bit. Names are so important. When, uh, when our children, Elena, and then a few, uh, well, recently, Eli was born, Tessa and I talked and thought and prayed, prayed a lot about what we're going to name them. Because naming your child is such a profound responsibility. It's frightening, actually. You know that this name is going to be with them for a wee while um, until they change it if they don't like it, like my grandfather did. But it's a massive responsibility, and we wanted names that would speak a blessing over, over our children. We wanted names that would be uh, like prophetic in the sense of calling out who God uh, was, had created them to be. Names that would capture who they are and reflect their character. And, and you know, many of your parents, you know, this is a hard thing to do because you're looking at this baby and the babyish. You know, but we wanted names, and so we would, you know, we talked and we prayed until we so we felt comfortable with with these names that carried meaning, Elena and Eli. And this is uh, like naming things is a really um, scriptural thing to do. It's a human thing to do. The first task that God gave to Adam right back at the beginning of Genesis, God created all things, and then uh, including all animals, and then. God brings the animals to Adam, and it says to, he brought the animals to Adam to see what Adam would call them, to see what Adam would name them. God gave Adam the authority to name them. And controversially, Adam even named his wife. He named her Eve, controversially, because I think that we would kind of like um, find that a bit uncomfortable today. Parents name their children, as I said, and children often name their most precious things, you know, like 
children name their blankets, blanky, um, or uh, or their teddies, or whatever it is, or their imaginary friends. Uh, Elena's got some imaginary friends, and I love their names. Uh, one one's called Jollock. We are, she just made it up, and there's Jollock and there's Emma, and uh, they're usually like the naughty kids in, in our house. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny what Jollock gets up the way. He's a, he's a right bag. Um, <clears throat> But kids do that, eh? They just, they just name things. They want to name things straight away. And there's, so it's like a natural thing that we do. And, the, and, then, and then you think about naming, there's a, there's a kind of an order or like a hierarchy, uh, an order of, of authority in naming. So we name our children. Uh, humans name their animals. Children name their toys. Scientists name their uh, discoveries. Artists name their art. Creators name their creations. The right to name someone or something else is incredibly important. Uh, I was just thinking about how um, uh, when I was growing up, the mountain um, up in Taranaki, was, we called that Mount Egmont, um, but now hardly anybody calls it that because um, there was no, we didn't have the, I mean, settlers, I suppose, whoever named it Mount Egmont, Mr. Egmont, he didn't have the right to name it Egmont. It already had a name, yeah. you know, that's what I mean, so... The right to name someone or something else is incredibly important, massively important. And so it was a massive honor that God gave Adam uh, the right to name the animals of creation, name, name his creations. We can name those things um, that, we, that we have the right to name, but we do not have the right to name God, our creator. Instead, our creator he reveals his name to us. He reveals his name to us. God's name is, is so important. His name carries so much meaning. It speaks of who he is, speaks of how he interacts with us. And it's so uh, incredibly, profoundly linked to who he is that, that his name alone has power. His name uh, is, a, is a place. His name has purpose and meaning. His name is, is, is tied to his presence. And there's so many, so many more things. Just a few examples. Uh, Proverbs 18.10 18, says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. So his name is a place. His name is a place we can run to, into his name. The best kind of example I could think of this is like when a when a child is like lost in a supermarket down the aisle way and or down an aisle and they start yelling "Mummy, <laughs> Mummy," and then Mummy comes around the corner or Daddy comes around the corner and and then they're fine they're, they're safe they find you know then and their name is a place that's just a, it's a poor example God's name is much more than that Psalm twenty one says May the Lord answer you on the day of trouble May the name of God of Jacob May, may the name of the God of Jacob protect you. So his name is protection. In difficult times, we can find protection in his name, calling upon his name. Matthew eighteen twenty. I've said this so many times this morning, and uh, and I keep going to it all year. Where two or three are gathered in my name, Jesus says this. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Like his name, his name is his presence, gathering in his name, and he's among us. Amazing. These are just a few examples. God reveals his name. God reveals his name to us. We can't know God unless he reveals himself to us. So his revela- the revelation of his name is, is self-disclosure. 
of himself to his created beings. Only God knows the fullness of God. Only God knows the fullness of God, so only God can name himself with a name that truly reflects who he is, who he was, and who he will be. His name is not false advertising. God's self-revealed name is fully integrated with his character. So what's on the outside, what he reveals to us, is what's, what's on the inside. We, we can't say that about a, lot of, uh, about a lot of other things, other things that are named, people's names and so on. But what's on there with God, his name is fully integrated with who he is. When Moses encounters God at the burning bush, God first introduces himself. He goes, I am the God of your fathers. And Moses, he grew up in Egypt and uh, he married, um, his wife was from uh, Midian. And so he would have grown up like knowing all about the gods of Egypt and, and some of these lands in the ancient east. All these different gods, but, but God distingu- distinguishes himself from all those other gods and says, uh, I'm not one of them. I'm the God of your fathers. And then Moses, he has the audacity, the boldness. And it's funny when you look at the scripture, like it's actually coming from a place of, of fear. And like Matt was talking about this last week. Moses has the audacity and the boldness to ask the name of God. I mean, he asks it so that he can then go to the Israelites and say, well, who, is, who are you? Who is it that sent me? But it's boldness, hey. And in that place of, of a human being encountering the presence of God, God reveals his divine name. And he says, I am who I am. <laughs> I am who I am. I am has sent me. Has sent, say to Israel, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. So we remember the name of the Lord even this morning, thousands of years later. So this is, we call this the divine name. <clears throat> divine name, the self-revealed name of God. It's undefinable. It's, God is utterly transcendent, pre-existing all things. He simply is. <laughs> Love that. The uncreated creator. Not just another God among the many gods of Egypt and the ancient world or the gods of our contemporary culture. He's, he's the uncreated creator. The one and only true God. The divine name is holy. And if you, if you read in your Bibles, the scripture, hopefully the, the word Lord here is in capital letters. And this is, to, this is, uh, this is because it comes from a, a, he, a Hebrew word that has only four letters. Y-H-W-H. Try to say that. Y-H-W-H. In Greek, it's called the tetragrammaton, which means four letters. It's a cool word, tetragrammaton. Sounds like a transformer. Here comes the tetragrammaton, four letters, no vowels, Y-H-W-H. And we say Yahweh, but no one really knows how it's pronounced. I love this mystery. Isn't it amazing? No one really knows because Hebrews regarded the name of God as so holy that the public pronunciation of it was was prohibited. Nobody would say it out loud. They held it in such high regard. They were so anxious to avoid profaning his holy name or just treating it with with a lack of respect that now the sound of his name is a mystery. It's so awesome. 
Your name's a mystery. So we have the letters Y-H-W-H and, uh, and an educated guess, a way of pronouncing that is, is Yahweh. Uh, Jehovah is a, is a word that came up uh, a few hundred years ago and uh, it also means the same thing. Both these words came from the same place. Moses' encounter with God. Bill Jackson, uh, he's a theologian, he writes, the four consonants, Y-H-W-H, are probably derived from the, ver- from the verb to be with a meaning something like the God who would be dynamically, effectively present when he was needed and when men called on him. And then he continues, the Israelites were now about to find out what the name Y-H-W-H, Yahweh, really meant. It's really exciting to talk about the name of God because you're talking, we start talking, we start realizing that this is is God that we we call on his name. He's dynamically present. Oh man, that's amazing. Dynamically, effectively present when he's needed. The revelation of God's name is followed by a revel- by demonstration of who God is. It's kingdom declaration. <laughs> it's it's like the eternal kings of king of kings says, "This is my name. Now prepare yourselves to see who I am." And to to his friends, to to uh, to the friends of God. He, he appears, he's revealed as a savior and as a deliverer, but to God's enemy, he comes as a conqueror and as a victor over them. Yahweh demonstrates his superiority. And we call, we call these signs, signs and wonders. With Moses, he shows his superiority and authority over nature. Like if you keep reading in chapter 3, we read about how uh, God reveals his superiority by turning Moses' stick into a snake. He throws a staff down to the ground and it, and it turns into a snake. Or as Matt talked about last week, uh, Moses uh, went to Napoleon and put his hand in his, in his jacket and it came out uh, white with, with leprosy. They're described as leprosy. And then he put it back in. And I love uh, Matt's description, in and out, in and out, you know. So like, God demonstrates his superiority and authority of a nature and biology. And he demonstrates his, he demonstrates his name to the Israelites uh, and to the Egyptians and to Pharaoh. He overthrows the gods and the government of Egypt. He, uh, he saves, he rescues the Israelites and it all comes first with a, with a revelation of the name of God. His name is powerful. His name is meaningful. His name is substantial. His name is so, so thoroughly connected with who he is, his character and his glory, that his name alone is holy. So holy. Uh, remember the Ten Commandments? A lot of people say they'd keep the Ten Commandments, and they, they probably don't know what they are. <laughs> no, seriously. Sometimes you, you you talk to people and they uh, and they and they and they don't know God at all, and they say, "I follow the Ten Commandments." And you go, "Really? The first commandment says no other gods before God." Commandment number two says, "Don't worship idols." Commandment number three says, "You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not." Um... Right. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Oh, man. Um, thank goodness for Jesus, because I wouldn't get through any of the commandments 
or I haven't murdered anybody. Actually, there's a few that I haven't done, but but I have taken the name the name of the Lord in vain. And it says here, you know, the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Thank goodness for Jesus. Oh, it's only by the blood of Jesus that uh, that, that my guilt is taken away. Jesus took it on himself. I mean. Yeah, I've got time for a story. The first, the first time, um, <laughs> I've got this real clear memory. Sorry to tell the story, Mum. But um, <laughs> I remember uh, I was at, when I was at primary school, and um, and and you know, you pick up phrases at primary school. And I came home, and uh, something happened. Uh, Mum probably served me up tomato or something I didn't like, and I and I said, "Oh my God!" And Mum said, "What did you say?" <laughs> I said, "Oh my God." <laughs> She goes, don't, don't say that. And I remember it really, really clearly. And I was like, why don't you say that? And she goes, you can't say the name of God. Don't take the name of the Lord in vain. And I was like, I didn't realize that's what, I guess I didn't realize that's what I'd done. Well, now I know. And so now I'm really, really careful. Like, um, and I sort of joke about it, but, but it hurts. I mean, at, at, um, at church, when we say the name of Jesus Christ, it's usually because we're praying, hopefully. We're at, my work, at my other job, when uh, people say, Jesus Christ, they're not praying. <laughs> They're not worshipping. But God says, don't take, don't take my self-revealed name in vain. Don't treat it lightly or mock it. Don't profane my name. Don't profane his name. Uh, and, but also thinking about the, um, I'll probably come to this a bit later on, but, but sometimes you can look at the commandments and they're all like things you don't do. And so we can read them and go, well, that, that also reflects what we should do. So, you shall, have, you shall, number one, you shall have no other gods before me. So what is God saying? You shall have me right front and center. Commandment number two, um, don't worship any other idols. Well, that, I don't know what the opposite of that is. But worship God alone, essentially. Worship God alone. Number three, don't take the name of the Lord, uh, name of the Lord your God in vain. So what should you do? Yeah, you should take it with, with the fullness of what it is. Like, call upon the name of the of the name of the Lord. Like, um, I think I, don't know, I, I think maybe the Hebrews they, they missed the point a little bit, so they didn't they didn't want to say the name of the Lord. But but I think that God is not not saying don't say my name, but call upon it with all that it means. Like, I think the the opposite is what you kind of got to got to hold on to this morning. We can go with anyway. Take the name of the Lord in honor and respect and everything that it, that it is, right? It's also interesting that this commandment, don't take the name of the Lord, you're vain. Uh, so we, we tend to speak, we think of it as only what we speak, but, but it also has a sense of uh, what we do. And so um, sometimes when someone comes along and they, and they, they, they claim to come in the name of the, in the, name of the Lord, uh, but they don't, that's taking the name of the Lord in vain as well. It has a sense of their actions. Instead, we are to honor, value, respect his name. And we can find shelter, find safety, protection, salvation in his name. (coughs) Sorry, I don't have the COVID. Don't worry. (laughs) Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, it says in Romans 10, 13, and in Joel 2, 32. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Part two, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, my talk this morning's got chapters. <laughs> Episodes, as Elena might call them. 
All right, so Jesus. Moses encountered the presence of God at the burning bush. And then roughly 1,500 years later, like we are talking about ancient paths, roughly 1,500 years later, God came in the flesh and Jesus was born to Mary and Joseph. And they were instructed to call his name Jesus. I'm just going to read it. Uh, Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. There's a lot of names in Matthew chapter 1. Because it starts off with a genealogy of Jesus. But I'm just going to read from uh, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him, call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. <clears throat> when, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. The Creator isn't named by His creations. So, instead, the Creator dis- discloses, He self-discloses who He is. And, and so Mary and Joseph, they were instructed to name their baby, to name Jesus, to name God. The name Jesus, uh, it was a, it's a common name, it was a common name. And it comes from a Hebrew, a Hebrew Yeshua, meaning Yahweh saves, Joshua comes from the same name. Yahweh saves. It was a common name. So when, when people would name their children Jesus or Yeshua, they were naming their children, it was a prophetic hope. It was like uh, a hope in that, in that uh, God would send his Messiah to come and save them. And so for, so for you had the all the other children named Jesus, it's a prophetic hope. And then Jesus turns up and, it's, and it becomes actualized. So just, just like in, in Exodus, the revelation of the name of God is followed by a demonstration of who God is. In Exodus, God revealed his name Yahweh and then he judged the gods and the people of Egypt and he brought salvation to his people. Now God reveals his name, uh, revealed his name in Jesus and again there's a demonstration of judgment and salvation. Uh, quoting again Bill Jackson, he says, the salvation paradigm begins with a revelation of God's name. And then, and then Jesus, he demonstrates his authority and power over all things. So over, over nature, he, he demonstrates his power over nature. He calms storms. He speaks to the southerly storm coming over Wellington. And he says, be still, <laughs> peace. He turns water into wine, our favorite one. He feeds thousands of people with a, few, with a little bit of fish and chips, I mean fish and bread. He, he's got power over biology. He heals the sick. He raises the dead to life. He's got, he's got power, authority over the spiritual world. He speaks to demons and they flee from him. He doesn't even need to speak from them. It's just his presence alone. He has power and authority over time and, and space. He prophetically has heaven's perspective. And he knows history and he knows future. He knows what's going to happen. He, 
He knows people's personal and unspoken histories and their future. He just, he just knows it because he's Jesus. And uh, then uh, in John 12, <clears throat> this cool thing happens. John 12 is Jesus speaking, verse, verse 27. And Jesus says, now is, my tro- now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. He's, ta- he's talking about going to, the, going to the cross, his crucifixion. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd stood there and heard it, said that it thundered. Some said it thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of the world. Now the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. So there's this connection with the revelation of of Jesus, of God's name, Jesus' name, and the glory of God as well. Glorification of the name of God is a revealing of the dynamic power inherent in his name. Judgment of the gods and evil powers of Egypt, or judgment of this world, Jesus says, casting out of the ruler of this world. Glorification of his name is a physical, is a visible revelation of God. Oh, glory. Thank you, God, for that. I think about how Jesus taught us to pray. He goes, pray like this. Our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as is in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Make holy your name. Reveal your name. There's so much more in there, isn't there? Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. We've got this connection between the name of God and, and this prayer for his kingdom to come. The connection between the name of God and for God's rule and reign to be manifested here on earth. Like a, a, you are the king. Now let your kingdom come. A demonstration of his name. And this is why we pray in the name of Jesus. Like when we pray for healing. Maybe we should pray for healing, yeah. Um, Holy Spirit, would you, uh, would you speak to us now? Lord, been talking about talking about your name and the the revelation of your name, God. Would you come, God? Would you demonstrate your power to us this morning, Lord? Come, Holy Spirit. Um, does anybody have a sore head this this morning? Like um, pain pain in your head? Is there anybody today? Any uh, headaches? All right. Can you just like maybe lay hands and we'll just we'll just pray and we just stretch out our hands towards you. Look, Jesus, we've been talking about the, the, your name and in your name there is power, and so we speak to that pain in Anna's head to be gone now in your name, Jesus. Let your kingdom come, God. Your authority, Father. Let your kingdom come. 
pain be gone in the name of Jesus. In the name of the King of Kings. The one who has authority over all things. Pain be gone. And bless Anna with your presence. Bless her with your freedom. And bless her with your peace, God. So come, come upon her, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Increase what you're doing there, Lord. Increase what you're doing, Lord. I just see like the Lord um, increasing uh, his revelation on you. Like, um, like I just was kind of like seeing words, I think, falling on, on your mind. But let that come, God. Let that come. Let your revelation, your truth be, be louder than any other uh, words that Anna hears. Come, Holy Spirit, increase what you're doing. You can just wait in his presence. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we, we, we pray, we pray in the name of Jesus, damaged knee be healed. It's my, one of my examples. Like, um, <clears throat> I was looking at Acts a little bit, and, and the, first, uh, you know, the first disciples of Jesus, that's all they do. They go, in the name of Jesus, be healed. In the name of Jesus, demon come out, right? And they would preach in the name of Jesus. They would come in the name of Jesus. Coming in the name of, declaring his name as a kingdom declaration, that he is king over all things. In Ephesians, uh, Paul says, God raised Jesus from the dead, seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he put all things under his feet. That phrase, he's put him above every name that is named. So above, above every disease, above every diagnosis, above every government, above every tyrant, above every injustice, over, above every untruth, over every lie, over every deception, over every evil power, over every name that is named. Again, this is some of the description of Jesus comes from Philippians 2 verse 5. It says, Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Isn't that so, so awesome? Yeah, sometimes when we're when we're sick, we we Google. <laughs> we go to Doctor Doctor Google and we try to find out what the name is of the thing that is making us sick. Uh, this can be a big mistake because you often find that what you've got is a life threatening condition, uh, and that the reality is you've got um, a man flu or something like that. But but often we just want to know what it's called. We just want to know what the name of it is. And then we read the scripture that he, that Jesus is above every name that is named. It's like, it's okay for, for something to be named something, for a disease to be named something, but his name is above that, hey? Who would recognize that? God, Jesus, your name is above cancer. Your name is above um, uh, 
above death. <laughs> yes. Your name is above um, birth defects, right? Over genetic conditions. Your name is above mental illness. Yes. Your name is above every curse, Lord. Lord Jesus, your name is above all those things. And we pray in the name of Jesus and we call upon the name of Jesus, which is what he, he instructs us to do. Call upon the name of the Lord. And we're praying to the one who's the source of everything without beginning, without end, who is, who was, who is to come. We're, we're talking about coming. We're praying in the name of the unchangeable one. And we gather in the name of the unchangeable one. We gather in the name of Jesus. This is who we gather in. It's the re- he's the reason for our gathering. The person we direct our worship to, we worship in Jesus. In, somehow in, his name is a place. We're in Jesus. The one who inhabits the praises of his people. We come into his presence and then, and we're bold enough. Sometimes we're bold enough to draw near and we've got to be like bold enough and patient enough to wait and ask for the revelation of who he is. Because some, you know, all these words are just empty gobbledygook unless we've got the revelation of who he is. For the words he speaks to us. And Moses was bold. It might have come out of a place of fear, but he was bold and he goes, what's your name? And later on in Exodus, he was so bold to say to God, God of gods, the king of kings, who holds the universe in his hands, do you have this kind of boldness? Please show me your glory. And Yahweh goes, replies, I will make my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. Again, that the connection of God's glory in his name. I will make all my goodness pass before you and, and will proclaim before you my name. Revelation of the name of God, Yahweh. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And so this is what we do. This is what we, we, he's calling us to do, is to call upon the name of the Lord, to call upon the name of the Lord for salvation, to call upon the name of the Lord for deliverance, for breakthrough, for healing, for freedom. Like declaring the name of Jesus in those situations is power. Like before I was talking about that, that parents have the responsibility to name their children, but parents, we, 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 can't, we, can't get, we can't get it all. We can't get it all right. Sometimes parents make a terrible job. I saw an article the other day about um, parents naming their children, I think, Metallica and Pantera. Not good name choices. <laughs> but so parents sometimes make the wrong choice. But then we read off this promise in, um, in Revelation. And, I, and I, wanted, I just feel to say this because some of you, you might not have a name that actually captures who you are. And, and, and Jesus says, he has this promise to, to a church, and he goes, if you, you hold fast to my name. And then later he goes, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone with, with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. This means that we, yeah, we have our parents' name, the name, names that our parents give us. The Honourable James, <laughs> or whatever it is, but imagine knowing the name, receiving the name that your Creator gives you. That's profound. He has a name, an identity, and a name that captures who we are inside and outside. In Him, 
We might not find out about it now, but we will find out about it one day, on that day that we also hear what the, what the pronunciation of the Lord's name really is. Is it Yahweh? <laughs> Put your money on Yahweh. <laughs> Funny story. One time, one time we got a letter. You know, we sometimes get strange letters at CV. And, uh, and we got this letter, um, and it said that, um, that we were all praying to the wrong God, actually. We made a big mistake because we were praying to Jesus or we were praying to Yahweh, and actually what we're meant to be doing is praying to Jehovah. This person was convinced that because we were calling God Yahweh or Jesus or the names that are in the scriptures, that we were getting it wrong. I thought it was funny because uh, <laughs> there's a few holes in that argument. We call upon the name of the Lord, the self-revealed name of the Lord. Don't worry about getting it a bit wrong. But do worry about uh, what, you know, what Jesus says in here. So, shall we stand? And I don't know, like I think there's people here from in all kinds of situations we prayed before about, um, about strength. Well, we can, come to the, we can come to the Lord and call upon his name for strength. You might be here today and you might not even know Jesus. Or we can call upon the name of the Lord, call upon the name of Jesus for salvation, for eternal life in him, to, to set us free from, from our sins. That's what Jesus means, saves us from our sins. We can call upon the name of the Lord for deliverance. If you feel like you're under, under oppression, even spiritual oppression, then call upon the name of Jesus. Set me free. Set my family free. We can call upon the name of the Lord for breakthrough in our families, in our, in our workplaces, in our situation. Call upon the name of the Lord at your work. You might want to do it under your breath. Or people will think you're swearing. <laughs> Maybe you could get away with it. <laughs> Jesus Christ, breakthrough! Right? They'll go... You're a bit angry, man. Take it easy. Okay, I'm just praying. <laughs> praying for healing. For damaged knees, whatever it is. Like cancer diagnoses. Um, man, I'm sure that these stories coming from Lower Hut, from the meetings that have been happening in, at Lower Hut the last couple of nights, and also tonight. Go along, encounter God at Hope Center tonight. Healing, freedom. Ah, oh, we want freedom so much. So, Lord... Holy One, Jesus, thank you, Yahweh, Jehovah, Adonai, God, God of gods, King of kings, Alpha and Omega. Maybe just call out names of God that you know, if any come to mind. Yes. 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 Thank you. We call upon your name, Jesus. We call upon your name. The anointed one, the apostle and high priest, author of life, the bread of heaven, the bridegroom, chief shepherd, chosen one, Christ, everlasting father, God with us, Emmanuel, Messiah, our shepherd, the high priest, holy and righteous one, holy and true, king of kings, Lord of lords, Lamb of God, the Lion of the tribe of Ju Judah, Lord God, Lord of all, Lord of lords, Lord of lords, yes. Mediator, Messiah, Mighty God. I'm just reading from this here. Prince of Peace, Rabbi, the radiance of God's glory, Righteous One, Root of David, ru Ruler of God's creation, Son of David, Son of God, Son of Man, Son of the Blessed One, Son of the Living God, Son of the Most High, Teacher, the Way. The truth, the life, the word of God. Lord, we, we look to you. We call upon your name.
that we would we would know you that you would demonstrate your your power in our in our generation that you would tear down strongholds that you would lead us into freedom and new life in you Jesus that Lord for each of us that you would reveal your name to us who you are to us thank you for who you are you're so good thank you that you have a have a, you have a name for us a name that only you know a name that speaks uh, of who we are and, we, and our destinies in you, who you're calling us to be, who we will be. Thank you, Jesus. A great I am. Amen. Amen.